Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Prophecy Update. Our host, Bill Salas, will be discussing technology in these end times and how it relates to prophecy with technology minister Nathan Jones of Lamb Lion Ministries. Let's join Nathan and our host, Bill Salas, as they get into this most interesting topic for today. Welcome to another edition of the Prophecy Update Radio Program, whereby we intend to authenticate the sovereignty of God through Bible prophecy by telling you what Bible prophecy has to say about these last days. I'm your host, Bill Solace, and I'm delighted to have with me today Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Good to be here. Good. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Today we're going to be talking about Nathan's special, Nathan's special area of expertise, and that's technology in the end times. Nathan is the web minister yeah. at Lamb Lion Ministry, and and Nathan is uh, full time staff. He does the answers a lot of questions and emails that comes through to Lamb Lion Ministry. Of course, that was the ministry founded by David, Dr. David Reagan. Uh, just a wonderful uh, ministry for you to go to if you have end times prophecy questions, as I often do, and I send them to, to Nathan for his responses. Nathan, uh, before we get into our topic today, how can people? Uh, get in touch with you and your ministry and, and submit emails to you with questions and things like that. Certainly. Uh, our primary outreach over the Internet is www.lamblion.com. Can you remember Jesus came first as a lamb, as a suffering servant? He's coming back as a lion, a roaring king. So to get help you with the order of that domain name, lamblion.com. On it, we've got tons of articles, our TV show, Christ and Prophecy. I think the last kind of 130-some episodes you can watch. We podcast, which is getting uh, mp3s out on your ipod or mp3 player we have a blog called the christ and prophecy journal we have a facebook group there's almost four thousand people who sit there and talk about bible prophecy and, and lift each other up especially people in countries where there's no real solid churches and there's no real way to share uh, bible prophecy the love of bible prophecy and they get to do that through the christ and prophecy group uh, i even twitter we got we twitter and, and, and give updates on, on bible prophecy so that's the place to go if, if you want to reach me and you have a question about Bible prophecy. Uh, just click the Contact Us button. Uh, also in Facebook, if you're part of the group, you have questions. If you want to leave comments on the blog, you can do that too, and I'll answer the questions. Or we have some really dedicated, very knowledgeable volunteers that can help and answer those questions as well on the Facebook group. So I invite you to come to lamblion.com and uh, get to know you. And please do, listeners. I go there quite frequently. Nathan and I exchange emails a couple times a week, I would say. Right, Nathan? Yeah, definitely. And we share and brainstorm on on important end times prophetic topics. Daniel 12.4, Nathan, says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words, and he's regarding a a prophecy that he was given that that, uh, alarmed him, an end times prophecy regarding the Jewish people. Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now I know that with Lamb and Lion Ministries, Nathan, that you are involved with these things. You're talking about Twitter and Facebook and things like this. Do you think that when we talk about this, uh, that there could be some reference to end times technologies like the computer and and these social networks that you're talking about, that, that knowledge can be disseminated out on a wide, massive scale? Do you think that that might be hinted in, in what's being said there in Daniel 12.4? When I went to Bible college and then the seminary, I used a typewriter to get through. 
and do all my papers. And uh, as I got into the missions work and wanted to get on the mission field, I learned computers and eventually went to tech school and learned web development. And it opened up a whole new world to me about how you can get the gospel to people around the world. I'll give you some of the uh, statistics out there is that in the United States, uh, almost 80% of the people in the United States are on the Internet right now. 80%. In China, in just in the last three years, it went from 10% to 29% of the 1.33 billion population of China is on the Internet. Overall, you can reach a third of the world over the Internet through computers and cell phones and now tablets, which are big, like the iPad. And the way to get the gospel out is unprecedented. And then that's on top of radio and television and communications and we got satellite and it's just amazing and the people that I deal with every day my mission field now are people from all over the planet Uh, I give you one example as I got a young guy a teenager from Saudi Arabia who wrote in he wanted to know the gospel but he said if anyone in Saudi Arabia found out that he was checking up on Jesus he was killed he'd be killed Mm. and so we were able to use that technology to get him the gospel I have uh, people in England and South uh, Africa who write in saying there's no good churches. The church is almost dead. It's things like less than 1% evangelicals in the UK. And uh, one of our, our people on her, particularly your name, Susan, she's like, you're like my church because this is the only way I get to share fellowship with other Christians and get a good solid dose of the gospel. So the technology is there to reach people. We talk to atheists and Muslims and cults all the time and get to share the gospel. People trip across our website or, or we go out with the newsletter that someone forwards to them. And that brings them the gospel, too. So, yes, I would say that when Daniel's talking about in the end times, or I'm sorry, the angel to Daniel was telling in the end times, go your way. Sorry, Daniel, you can't understand it now. But in the, when it gets to a point where people travel incredibly well, they go to and from all over the planet. Fro, right? And that we have the technology for that. I, I mean, with the Concorde, what, it used to take an hour or two just to get from mm-hmm. Europe to the United States. We've got the ability now to get the gospel over. I believe it was a year or two ago the Billy Graham organization even decided that they saw the signs of the end times were coming and with the technology they devoted their whole year to getting the message of Bible prophecy out through technology. So, Yeah, and you know it's amazing Nathan, I, I know you're on a much more advanced level when you're talking about those social networks. I know you've really um, become adept in utilizing those for the advancement of Lamb and Lion uh, articles and work like that. Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. But, you know, I am astounded when I, I'll write an article or something and I'll find out that it got picked up on Joe's blog site. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know if there is a Joe's blog site, but in other words, these are just free blog sites that people pick up from like Google blogspot.com or whatever it is. You just Google free blog spots. I've used them before. That's how I started with my ministry. Mm-hmm. And they, they're grabbing articles. They're learning how to post them. And now you throw in Facebook and Twitter, you can take and get this information out. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to put something like this together. It's all pretty much free, isn't pretty it? For the, for the novice that maybe would feels compelled, they'd like to kind of get their foot in the door on something like this. Talk, speak to them for a moment. Oh, and then I want to get more into some of the prophecy stuff. Well, there's a, a lot of fear, especially amongst the generation that wouldn't have grown up with technology, is that the technology is beyond them. That they just can't use it and figure it out. But cost-wise, it, it's either next to nothing or free. Like you said, Facebook, Twitter, that's all free stuff. Uh, websites are real cheap, and you really, you can even set up websites now that don't require a lot of knowledge. You can do e-newsletters where there's what's called WYSIWYG editors, and what you see is what you get. 
Uh, and as some of the other Bible prophecy ministers are starting to use them to get their newsletter out, the technology isn't all... Like back when I started 10 years ago, you had to understand the code and you had to really get in there. But now it's a lot easier for people. And you know, you've got all these blogs and websites yourself, Bill, and you're doing a great job with that. And there, there's no excuse to getting on. Even if you don't want to have your own material, I have people all the time from our, our Facebook group and on the blog who do nothing but go to different forums, online forums, and share the gospel with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our best volunteers uh, down from, she's in Florida, grandmother, she, she's a gun nut too. So she's all on all the gun nut sites, if I can use her. I have a gun, so you know, I, I, I'm supportive of the that. But, uh, you know, and she shares the gospel with people. I'm amazed when I look at the statistics for our website and see sometimes people that are totally against what we stand for. Uh, there was a lesbian group, for instance, who had issue with one of our articles on homosexuality. Well, she posts our thoughts on it and what the Bible says on, on her website, and her, her people stampede onto our website to read about it. Well, I mean, I don't know if she realized or not, but she just opened the door to the gospel to all her readership. That's the power of the web. And then everybody can have access to that. All you have to do, like you'd share your faith with your neighbor next door or your family, you can just get right online and do the same thing. Right, and, and a lot of these articles that you'll find coming out on, on the, the Internet sites, they give you an opportunity to blog and make a comment. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect opportunity uh, you know, to express your faith on some level, depending on what the article is and how you want to comment on it. So, yeah, do use those opportunities, dear listeners, to do those types of things. Now, Gutenberg came out with his printing press around the 1600s or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact date. And that revolutionized the ability to get the Bible into different languages and to get more information into people's hands, scriptural information into people's hands. But these days, there are Bible software programs. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm guilty of this, and I almost hate to admit it, but I seldom even open my Bible. I'm always opening (laughs) my Bible on my computer. Yeah, the search features are just so wonderful. When I study, I study in my Parsons Bible software. There's Logos Bible software. What software do you folks use over there at Lamb and Lion? I prefer BibleGateway.com. It's just a website. Uh, It's... uh, you get on, you can do searches by topic, by keywords, uh, you know, you pull up verses. It's got all sorts of different uh, versions, as well as commentaries built into it. It's all online, it's all free, they just ask for a donation now and then if you're interested. There's Blue Letter Bible, there's Bible.org. So you didn't even buy a software, well you may have one, but you mm-hmm. prefer to use already web-driven sites that are free to go to. It's my left hand. Uh, and my right hand is probably dictionary.com to correct all my spelling. Right. So I, between those two, I, I live on BibleGateway.com to help people answer questions. And, you know, I, I feel very, I teach uh, Bible drill with the fourth and fifth graders, so I, I can look up a verse under 10 seconds like the best of them. So I'm not worried about losing that ability. But the technology is out there that anybody can access the Bible. And that's, having Bibles online are so wonderful because then that opens up the Bible to the entire planet. Places where Bibles are illegal like North Korea and back in the day behind the Iron Curtain, now through the internet they can get them and most of those sites aren't blocked. I, from what I understand even North Koreans can get to some Right, of it would be very difficult to censor that out now mm-hmm. so that it does reach and, and wasn't that the Ministry of Reconciliation to get out from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the world? Oh, that yeah. is our job as Christians. Now, I firmly believe that we will not reach the entire world with the gospel over the Internet at this time period. And we do know, once you get into the tribulation, though, the, the Bible talks about the two witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the angel that travels all over the world. And so the fulfillment of where Jesus says 
that every nation, tribe, and tongue will get the gospel is tribulation-oriented. But we can get really close nowadays. And again, the web is limited because we only got about 30 per, a third of the world only accesses the internet right now according to the latest statistics. So that still leaves two-thirds of the world that aren't using it yet. You know, your aborigines and your your tribes, people, and stuff like that. So missionaries, I'm not saying the web should replace mission work. It's a it's a tool within God's tool belt that he's using really mightily right now to get the gospel out. That's a good point. And you mentioned the two witnesses, and I want to talk about the potential technology that, that surrounds events that happen to them. Um, they actually are two witnesses in Revelation 11 who are preaching the gospel. Some people believe that it's Moses and Elijah, and we're not going to try to mm-hmm. predict that for you in this particular conversation, but they are preaching the gospel, and the Antichrist kills them. And it says the whole world will see this and actually rejoice, and I'll, I'll actually probably turn to that passage as we talk about it. But before I go there, I want to sum up on Daniel twelve four. So we know that it's probably got tech, technological application that knowledge shall increase as people run to and fro. But also I think, it, it, tell me what you think about this, Does, do you think it also alludes to the fact that there will be discernment of Bible prophecies, that a generation that needs to discern those prophecies, especially in the end times, will see the signs around them. And they'll say, well, you know, like for instance, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, Ethiopia, a consortium of nine populations that will someday come together to invade Israel. Mm-hmm. We're seeing those relationships stronger than ever, those national relationships. We're seeing that Russia is supplying arms to most all the Ezekiel invaders. Um, so we can sit there and look at these things and then look at Ezekiel's prophecies and say, huh, this must be what Ezekiel was talking about. This could be a near event. So insights start to develop as we see the stage set around us and these relationships be formed so we can actually start to discern well, what were some of these prophecies these prophets were trying to tell us about. Is that how mm-hmm. you see that as well? Technology is a fruit of knowledge. Uh, and it's wonderful as, as one invention is created, another one piggybacks off. And I really firmly believe, and especially when you read about, say, uh, the people who put the atom bomb together back in World War II. I mean, they were getting ideas and inspirations that just seemed to come out of nowhere. So I think this huge technological shift we're seeing is God-oriented. God's using it, and it's a sign of the time. It's a sign of a soon return that technology would increase. But technology is an is a uh, fruit of knowledge. So where does that knowledge come from? Our ability to learn. Uh, I heard one story about back in the 1800s, if a person read the entire New York Times magazine, that was the all the information that they would read in their entire lifetime. Today we, we go through, if you're a reader, hundreds of articles or TV shows, educational TV shows or something, each day, mm-hmm. the knowledge that we're passing between ourselves. And then we build off that. And our knowledge of the Bible, as all these signs come together, like you said in Ezekiel 38 and 39, as the nations co- uh, coalesce into what they're supposed to be as the end-time players, as the European Union rises, as the Muslim nations unite, it, it all is coming together and we can read the Bible like, ah, see, now that's what Daniel wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Daniel was asking the angel, you know, I, I want to understand. So he's like, no, it's for people when knowledge increases, that's they'll start understanding it. And Bill, I say right now today, we're living in the time where we're seeing that knowledge coalesce so that when we read the Bible, we're like, yes, that makes sense. Generate hundreds of years, people haven't understood this. Israel is a nation once more. It matters. So I think the Holy Spirit is using that knowledge Again, to help us understand the Bible better, 
which increases our faith and gets us out there using the internet and sharing with friends to get that gospel out in the short amount of time we have. Right, and when you talk about Israel being restored as a nation, Israel is God's end time peace. Mm -hmm. A lot of us look to Israel in that capacity. And we are starting to see that since Israel has become a nation, the Arabs have protested that. Well, interestingly, the Arabs are, uh, there's an Arab confederacy in Psalm 83. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are also seeing that Iran is trying to build a nuclear technology, and uh, Ahmadinejad has said he wants to wipe Israel off the map. Sounds like that's got a potential Ezekiel 38 rendering as well. So Israel is sort of a uh, provocateur of, of us understanding these types of things as well. Exactly. Now, speaking of the two witnesses, in Revelation 11, we're told in verse 7, when they finish their testimony, they're teaching the gospel in and around Jerusalem, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, that of course would be the Antichrist, will make war against them, overcome them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified of course we know that would be Jerusalem Mm -hmm. then those from the people's tribes tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the <laughs> earth. Because they were giving the good news mm-hmm. versus the, the counterfeit gospel, the lie of the Antichrist. That We're talking about prophecy that's, that's deep into the, you know, the midpoint of the tribulation. So the message of the gospel is not received well. And it says, by, by whom? By the people's tribes, tongues, and nations. In other words, the whole world. Now, Nathan, in the 1800s, <clears throat> was commonly... The, this was an argument that the Bible had to be erroneous because there was no way in the 1800s a whole world could see two dead witnesses in Jerusalem for three and a half days. But isn't that changed now? Oh, certainly. Yeah, that that story always... I guess you could say it kind of makes cracks me up at a point, and yet it's so sad at a point, that these two witnesses have such a message that the entire world... I mean, how evil can it be that the entire world has a party... And won't even have the decency of burying them. Mm. And then the Lord, in front of all of them, resurrects them from the dead. And it says the whole world gets to see them come back from the dead. Now, you could imagine the people in Jerusalem, they're standing around, might get to see them. Maybe once they're a mile up in the air, the surrounding countryside see them. But how does an entire planet see this unless there's satellite television and uh, the internet and ways that you can get pictures around. I mean, sure, I bet YouTube will be you know, posting videos all over the place. Oh, look, these guys are dead. Yay. Oh, look, they're gone, you know? And what a testimony that'll be. I mean, besides the three and a half years that they'll be witnessing, but that they were resurrected from the dead, and I'm sure the spin will go crazy trying to explain their disappearance, but it will be a sign of the time. And I think many people will come to know the Lord as their Savior by the resurrection because of the technology used during that time. Right. I will imagine that uh, some of your mainstream news medias, whichever ones may still be around, because that would be a post-rapture event. We don't know. Yes, exactly. Maybe Fox won't be here, or you know, <laughs> maybe MSNBC will. Yeah. We don't know. But Definitely not World Net Daily, right? Yeah. <laughs> World Net Daily won't be here. Yeah. But that is amazing, and I, I interpret that the same way, mm-hmm. that the whole world will now be able to see them, and whatever mainstream medias are covering uh, an operation at that time, they will certainly be covering that. I mean, just think about when Desert Storm hit, and I believe it was around 1991 or so. I don't know about you, Nathan, but I was watching every 
possible moment I could of Mideast events as uh, Iraq was firing Scud missiles into Israel and, and George Bush Sr. was forming his coalition. Oh, yeah. I was watching with great interest because I was a senior in high school at the time. And I was expecting that I if it could ex- escalate and I'd be drafted or something. So right. I was really watching it with interest. What's interesting when we talk about technology is that we know at some point technology will eventually no longer exist in the tribulation. By the end of the tribulation, people are running around on horses, and you hear a lot of people say, well, that's crazy because we have tanks and all today. But it looks like the world will be so devastated, there might not even be the fuel for these tanks and all and the equipment that that will leave people on horses. Another thing is that the end sign of punishments is that there will be a lot of solar flares and eruptions. And so when I build a web ministry and we want to leave messages behind for people, I know that Internet technology will last up to the midpoint of the tribulation. But after that, it gets a little sketchy because between the solar flares breaking up our technological ability with the satellites, that we, by the end of the tribulation, I doubt there will be any technology left or very little. Because of the destruct intent, the destruction that goes on inside of the tribulation, like you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Now, there's another interesting technology. Two thousand years ago, the apostle John wrote in Revelation 13 about an, a cashless society that would come forward, mm-hmm. and he says that there will be a point in time where the false prophet and the Antichrist put together a cashless system, and he says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor. I'm reading around Revelation 13, 16, verses 16, 17, and 18. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we get wisdom here. Here is wisdom. Let him who, under, him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, of course, most everybody's heard about 666, although yeah. they don't understand what it's related to. But it's got, it's got something to do with this prophecy here, of course, this cashless society. Now, 2,000 years ago, John trafficked in monetary uh, currencies of denarios, mm-hmm. right? But he's talking about something here that, you know, you cannot transfer a denario from a, it's an implanted inside of your hand, a denarius inside your hand or in your forehead. He's talking about something entirely different, mm-hmm. a mode of currency and monetary exchange, apparently cashless. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, Mark Hitchcock's got a book out recently called Cashless. Um, do you think John was possibly trying to describe a technology that could be a cashless society? And is that potentially the biometric or the type of cashless society that we could have at this point in time? You can, can certainly control a person by their money. I mean, there's no doubt, no doubt that we are moving to a cashless society. Uh, I, I barely use cash. I use credit card for everything. And I know right now there's a lot of move to have where you can just swipe something that can't be stolen, maybe that's implanted in you. Uh, there's even reports where certain stores have been trying this out just to see how it works. So we're moving that there. And it's a smart thing. I mean, I don't want people stealing my credit cards and my identity. I don't want them stealing my wallet if there's something built into me that I can wave or that's biometric that scans my fingerprints or something like that. That's a great thing. And it all has to be managed by a large database with lots of uh, connectivity and networking so there, there's definitely a technology there, but I won't be the first to say that I think it's an RFID chip or we're all going to be running around with chips. There's a lot of people panicking out there that, you know, their chip or 
if a barcode has 666 somewhere, oh, I can't buy this product. And I even wrote an article that said, stop panicking over the mark of the beast because there's no way in the church age that we have to worry about taking the mark. This is something the Antichrist institutes at the midpoint of the tribulation. And since the tribulation is clearly not going on now, we don't have to worry about taking it. But John is pretty specific. For when we're talking about a first century man, and he sees the mark on the forehead and the right hand. We're not talking about it's in the forehead or the hand. He can see it. So unless it's a big bump, it's pretty obvious. But these little chips are coming out with are sliver-thin glass that protects the component in. So I don't think they'll be visible. They're not even visible now. Mm -hmm. You put them in animals. You don't see them on the animal. So I believe it will be a tattoo or something. Maybe it'll have a magnetic inking so it can be scanned. But... You could walk in a store, and unless someone sees that, they know not to sell you something, or they will probably die themselves because of the Antichrist. So I, I believe there, there's probably a technology behind it, but I will, I, I'm probably more lean on the side that I don't think it's a, an RFID chip or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Well, the um, first of all, those types of technologies, if this is what John was trying to describe, are in themselves not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. Inf, you know, info pet where you put a, a chip inside of your your poodle's you know, <laughs> you know neck, and if, yeah. if Fifi gets lost, you can GPS, you can find her. You mm-hmm. know, or, or let's say little Johnny gets kidnapped, you could find find him if he had some tracking mechanism. Um, some, mm-hmm. you know, even your cell phones tend to have a ping that they generate where you can actually find someone. But there are actually these uh, these RFIDs, I think they are, whatever they are, where you can actually locate them through GPS. So oh. the technology in itself is not a bad thing, but, but the usage of it to uh, monitor all of humanity, like you say, from a large database and the Antichrist bid to be omnipresent, perhaps, which he can't be, only God is, but you know, he, can, he won't be able to search the hearts and minds of men and women, but he'll be able to track their every footstep if they have a technology inserted that mm-hmm. he can monitor through GPS and things like that. But also... Just for the listeners, like you say, the church won't be here. They'll be raptured prior to this, so it's not a threat to them. And it, and more than just a technology, it is a form of worship. In other words, oh yeah, it's a loyalty people, mark. It is. It's a yeah. loyalty thing. Yeah. But it also happens to facilitate his ability, their ability to to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. So now, some other people now are saying, because you know how fast technology develops. Like you said, you had a typewriter yeah. when you were in, in college. And I remember when I first started my business, the fax machine was a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, now I hardly ever use it because <laughs> it's all email and scan, right? But um, so, you know, we're talking about a situation where. So where I'm going with this, Nathan, is that when I got my first cell phone, it was uh, the size of a loaf of bread. It seemed like, <laughs> and I felt like I could rock a lot, launch a rocket with it. <laughs> But now I've got yeah. one that's I can fit in my shirt pocket. I can Skype on. I can shoot videos. Mm-hmm. I can be on the internet. I can retrieve emails. And I'm talking. This has all happened within about ten to fifteen years. Where do you see this all going? Is it going to continue to improve to a point where we can't even imagine what it's going to end up like? Just in the last ten years of technology that I've been in, I have seen incredible advancements. It's it's impossible in the technological world, even reading up on it, to stay up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, most guys who get in technology within three to five years, they become project managers because the technology outpaces them, and you have to bring a bunch of new slew of graduates or even high schoolers in mm. to start programming and developing. 
So it used to be every three years the tech, there'd be a technological revolution. Now it's every year and a half. Hmm. And just recently, with the introduction of the iPad and the tablets and the iPhones, we've seen a major technological revolution in how people do computers. The desktop that sits on your desk has gone away to the laptop, which now is going to the portable devices. And keeping up with that technology is amazing. So yes, when you say 5, 10, 15 years from now, I mean, you the, I checked out the 3D televisions the other day. Can you imagine if they can project that in a hologram? You could be inside your television within 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And technology increasing. But we're also seeing a slowdown in technology in some areas. We're seeing a slowdown. How slow? Well, space science, for instance, is hit a standstill. Most nations don't want to really develop it. I think Iran recently sent up some earthworms. That's about as high-tech as we're getting. Mm-hmm. And we know that when the tribulation comes on the world, there's not people living on other planets because right. it's a judgment on the world. So we know that at some point... Jesus has to come before we start colonizing planets. Also, the special minerals, the really rare minerals used to make all this technology, mm-hmm. they're running out of. And you can read that in a lot of articles. There's a big concern. Is Where's your plasma television going to get its, its, its specialized minerals? And China right now has the hold on that. And a lot of companies are over there begging China, release your special minerals because we need to make our cell phones and televisions all. So we know there's a time limit on how far our technology can go based on the current materials we use to make it, unless they can find something else. But these are rare minerals. So I think that's another sign that we're not going to see technology advance until we have replicants running around impersonating us, that our time limit on how far our technology is going to reach a point where it's going to stop. And definitely in the tribulation, God's going to take the technology away near the very end of the tribulation. So you're saying that my 8-track tape player is never going to come back into uh, <laughs> usage again? 8-track <laughs> what, Bill? 8-track what, tape. That? That was, you probably weren't even born when those came. Nah, uh, my parents had a John Denver 8-track. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Creedence Clearwater and all those bands back there. Yeah, I still have cassettes, so that shows uh, yeah, I know a little see, bit about that. Yeah, okay, good. So we're, we can relate together. <laughs> well, Nathan, it's been a pleasure to be on, on the That's program again. And again, uh, get your questions over to him at Lamb Lion Ministries. That's lamblion.com, correct? Correct. And you will get a very intelligent answer in an expedient fashion. So God bless you listeners, and God bless you, Nathan. Thank you for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Bill. That's all the time we have for today. Join our host, Bill Solace, next time for another edition of Prophecy Update. Until then, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.